0: This is the Dan Grasa Show on 98.7 ESPN is the Dan Grosser Show.
1: And the rumor today, the, the the juicy one, involves Bradley Beal. Three-time All-Star, the whole nine yards. He makes a lot of money, too. But here's the problem with Bradley Beal. Last few years, only played 50 games this past year. Last year, he only played in 40 games. It's not like you're getting a proven winner. And I know that's not all his fault, per se. I just think you might have better options out there. You know, because if you're saving up for that one big splash, I don't know if Bradley Beal is the guy that I would term a big splash the dollars his attendance record add all those things up you want to tie yourself into that do you that's why i would pass this
0: is the dan grasa show
1: harvey doesn't speak anymore he just speaks in sound effects it's like our own personal robot
0: i was trying to, oh.
1: trying to get a <laughs> hi everybody
0: on 98.7 espn
1: 800-919-3776 that is the Telephone number, Mets and Yankees round two of the Subway Series out at Citi Field. Looks like the Mets just jumped ahead 1-0 in the fifth inning. Still a lot of baseball to play, of course, but we're talking hoops now because we are officially, officially in the NBA offseason. We got a draft next week, and then once July hits, who knows? What could possibly be coming down the pipeline here in the league that never fails to disappoint when it comes to excitement? Joining us now to help us break it all down is our good buddy, he of Sirius NBA Radio. It's our pal, Brian Geltz. BG, how are you, my friend? Thanks for hopping on.
2: Danny, how you doing, buddy?
1: We are doing outstanding. All right, the season is now in the books. Give me your big takeaway from this finals, which saw Denver ultimately get to the top of the mountain.
0: Well, first of all, I think we have to look at the league on a whole here to understand that for the most part, the super team era is at least gone temporarily because we had a two-star team with the proper support guys come in and win an NBA title and win it pretty decisively. I mean, they went 16-4. and four. Um, They beat Durant and Booker in a series. They beat LeBron and Anthony Davis in a series. And they beat the team that went through everybody in the East. So you look at Denver – as a pretty dominant team in this year's playoffs. And you look at how they're built. Now obviously they have the best player in the league. That helps. I mean, Jokic has been tremendous. And I know we talk about the stats and his offense and how what a great decision maker he is and all of that 10 ways coming and going. With all that said, um it's you know his defense is pretty damn good too, I gotta tell you. <laughs> and Jamal Murray's ascended into a top level Type of guard and listen. It, the beautiful part of what Denver did here—they won this this finals against Miami by being a tremendous defensive team. Miami in five games scored over 100 points once, and, and so Denver did it that way. But look, you look—you have to listen first of all. Tim Conley, who's currently the president of Minnesota Timberwolves, deserves a tremendous amount of credit because he's the one that put Jokic and Murray very together. true. He's the one. He's the one that traded for Aaron Gordon. He's the one that drafted Michael Porter and took the chance on him. So he did that. We also have to give a ton of credit to their current president, Calvin Booth, because the two moves that I thought put them over the hump were the David Caldwell Pope trade, who was on... Very valuable guy to them in these playoffs. They traded Monty Morris, who's a player I think so, I'm very fond of. It. I think kind of an un- underrated player in the league. But Monty Morris and Will Barton, they traded to Washington for Caldwell Pope. He was huge for them. And then they went out and signed Bruce Brown. And Bruce Brown, not only did Bruce B- Brown play a role similar to what he did last year in Brooklyn, he grew on that and expanded on that role. And it was interesting, I heard Michael Malone say this when they were talking to Brown about coming over there. You know, and he signed a two-year deal, player option the second year, which he will likely opt out of. Brown said, "Hey, listen, I don't want to just play the same role I, want, I played in Brooklyn. I want to have some ball handling responsibilities. I want to be able to be a little bit more of a scorer." Well, listen, Brown was their facto backup point guard in a lot of spots, and sure enough, late in Game Four, with Jokic on the bench and Murray struggling, Mike Malone had the guts in an NBA Finals game in the fourth quarter put the ball in Bruce Brown's hands and Bruce Brown did a tremendous job, scored 21 points in that game. It, it just Denver on a whole here has a lot of what it takes to be a champion and go forward. And now you have to listen. He's a group of guys that love each other with an excellent head coach. And there's a, there's a huge connection between all of them that you felt far before that they won. But now you just have to wonder, okay, how long can you sustain this? What do you do with the roster? And does Pat Riley's disease me? start to creep in a little here when guys kind of look at their role. So it'll be an interesting challenge for Michael Malone going forward. And I think the Nuggets are here to stay for a while.
1: I'll tell you this too, BG, and I you know, talked about this last night. It's refreshing in the sense that here you have a team like Denver and Michael Malone, the head coach, who I think everybody likes, That that's part of the game, and he's a basketball lifer, comes from a basketball family as we know. But this is a guy who's been there eight years. First three years on the job there, they didn't make the playoffs. And we are such a quick-trigger society, especially like in professional sports, to where some coaches only get one year, two years, they don't make the playoffs, they're gone. How about Denver sticking it out with this guy and then finally getting rewarded for winning it all? I think that's one of the better stories of this whole thing, too.
0: And something that, that very few have talked about, I think you're 100% right, The one person that's mentioned is Malone. When he just kind of somewhat casually noted in the post game of, I believe, Game 3, he said it, but he said, Nicole and I have been together for eight years. Um, and so it's the, there's a, a relationship there between Michael Malone and Nicole Jokic that has served Michael very well here. Michael, is, he's he has a way of making guys accountable in his own way. Malone is my kind of coach in this respect. I have no problem with a guy that are real players. And Malone's done it plenty, probably, yep. plenty, to try to get these guys to play defense. He is. He did it in this series. He did it after Game Two of this series. Malone has done it, but Malone, Michael Malone will also be the first one to grab a guy and hug him when he makes a good play. He will. We always hear the term. Well, give me the same energy when you're complimenting as much as you're criticizing. Michael Malone's the same energy kind of guy because he gives it all to you. Um, the other thing I love about Michael Malone, as an aside, these these silly in-between-quarter coaching interviews that they've actually had some players doing recently to take some of the burden off the coaches, which I like. You know, a lot of guys don't say much. Like Joe Mazzullo would literally stand there next to poor Lisa (laughs) Salters of ABC and give two-word answers. Michael Mullen actually legitimately answers a question and, and, and tries very hard to be media-friendly, and he's that kind of warm guy. Listen, he grew up in the same hometown as I did, West Orange, New Jersey, went to Seton Hall Pro in West Orange when his dad, Brendan, was a Mick assistant. Uh, he is a lifer in this game. He has been to some interesting places. He was Mark Jackson's lead assistant in Golden State before Kerr took over there. He was with LeBron in the first Cleveland stint. Him and Chris Gent were on Mike Brown's staff there. Malone was was Mike Brown's lead assistant. He has paid his dues in this league for a long time, and he richly deserves all of this success. Has done a great job with his team. And listen, it's hard. We're seeing we're seeing turnover of all these coaches with star players. Listen, Durant Booker turned over their coach. Giannis turned over a coach here. Joel Embiid turned over a coach here. Jokic and Malone being together eight years don't or not with a likely move into 10 is an incredible accomplishment for a coach in this era of the NBA.
1: Well said. Agree wholeheartedly. We're talking with Brian geltz to the NBA, here on 9870 ESPN. All right, the, the story today is that Washington – Telling Bradley Beal's agent that if they indeed tend to retool this roster, that they will try to accommodate him and seek a trade. People tie in certain spots. Maybe the Knicks, one of them here, of course. Do you think that would make sense for the Knicks basketball team if Bradley Beal were to be brought on? Um, it depends.
0: And, and not that I'm – and Danny, I'm never a case would wood but, Of course. But what's my price tag? What's my price tag? Oof. So if I have to turn around and make this my big deal, my – three unprotecteds and three swaps and Barrett and Grimes and Poppin? No, I'm not going to do that. If you're telling me that I can put one of those guys in a deal, I can put a couple of veteran salaries in the deal to make the money work. I can put one of my second tier guys and maybe two of the protected picks that I've acquired along the way. Uh, Maybe even a third one of those protected picks, but I don't have to throw any unprotecteds in, or I'm throwing in one unprotected and two heavily protected. Then I'm looking at a deal, because here's my thing with Beal for the Knicks, it can't be the final deal. No. It's not going to be the one. It can be something that upgrades a spot, and boy, he would look terrific at the two in between Brunson and Barrett. He really would. He would be great there. And if Grimes was my lead piece out to make that work, it's a deal I would have to look at. The question becomes the interesting thing to me with Washington is twofold. Number one, Randall's salary would be very functional here, and if the decision ends up being we're going to stick with Obi at the four because we can sign him to a more reasonable deal when extension time comes up for him at the end of next year. You know, that may be, and, and we feel like he fits well next to Robinson because Robin, Robinson guards well. That's an interesting development here that I think is something that Knicks will explore. I don't think it's something the Wizards and Michael Winger are going to be all that interested in, but I, I think it's something the Knicks need to explore. And then there's another piece of this which makes it all very interesting. Deals going, that means that they're not likely to bring back Kuzma and that Porzingis um, is probably going to be available. And I will tell you there's. I've heard more rumblings about Christoph Porzingis back to the Knicks than I've heard about Bradley Beal going to the Knicks.
1: Do you think that that makes sense, though? Do you think that makes sense? I do. Really? I think the wound is still fresh, BG. I don't know.
0: I don't know. So so here's what I'll tell you about Porzingis. Number Mm -hmm. one, he has been pretty public in his regret for how he handled the, the, the New York situation. Number two, all the guys that were there when Porzingis was there are all gone. They're not running the show anymore. The, the president, the general manager, they're all gone. Scott Perry was the last one that was there while he was there. He's gone. So there's that, that level of hard feelings has somewhat left Chris Taps has been through a lot. He's a different guy. He went through the Dallas experience with Luca. It didn't work well for him. He went to Washington this year in what was not a great situation. He put his head down, played hard, played 60-some odd games, did a really nice job, averaged 23 and nine for them. And listen, do I I don't know that I want him next to Randall. I might want him in there for Randall. I might want, you know, to me, I'm intrigued by Tom Thibodeau putting a defense together that has two guys with the ability to block shots like towards Ingus and Mitchell Robinson. I, it's interesting to me. It really is – so I've heard that because that, I know that Porzingis has been pretty outward with people, you know, not necessarily saying it in public, but pretty outward with people that he talks to that he would like to come back to New York. And the Knicks, may, that may be an interesting piece for the Knicks that they're able to get without having to give up a ton. Also, the fact that Beals available makes all this all the more interesting. The Wizards obviously are a major, major team to watch coming into
1: draft weekend. Here's the only thing that, 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 well, not the only thing, but one of the things certainly that I think has to stand out a little bit with both of these guys in talking about any sort of potential swap, they aren't exactly the epitome of durability, as you know. You know what I mean? And and that's yep. what would scare me a little bit here. So I could just imagine, like, if the Knicks go ahead and bring in one or two of these guys, whatever, and for all this money, and then it's okay, we're, we're going to continue to build on everything that we've done, and yet these guys don't ever take the floor and they're always injured, it's almost like you're reverting back to same old Knicks again.
0: Well, yes, okay, but, but so we have to draw a distinction between the contractual situations of the two. Porzingis says one more year left, I believe. Right, Beal's like the 36. one that's making a ton no.
1: for a ton of years.
0: Right. That's correct. That's so. If you wanted to tell me, let's see what we can do with Kristaps. And the year works out well, and like he fits well. We we can you know we can re-sign him there, but we have some flexibility. Bradley Beal has got four more years at fifty some odd million a year, and if you go take a look at his numbers, they've kind of dropped off a little bit the last two years. I mean, you know, him and Porzingis were like tied for being for being leading scorer on that team, and that was a you know that was a team that didn't make the playing tournament. Like, yeah. it, so you kind of look you look at field's number, and that's part of the reason that I go back to the initial answer I gave in the question about the Knicks, which is that when you look at it, when you look at what they have to give up. I, I'm not, I don't know that Beal's going to find the scout and the youth and all of a sudden be the same guy that he was when he played next to John Wall. I mean, those days may have passed for him. And to your point, he's not healthy all the time. And, and I think the injuries have played a role as well. So I, I think the Knicks, it's a spot to be very careful. He is a star quality player. He has been an all-star in the past. I just think you have to be – got to wait and see kind of what this market's going to give you. I think Beal's the first of a handful of stars – that are going to be out there. I think Damian Lillard's going to be on that list. And no, I don't think the mix will be in the market for Damian Lillard at all. I think they'd rather have Jalen Brunson at the age of 27. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it's possible Carl Anthony Towns is going to be out there. That may be someone the Knicks pursue. But, again, it's a similar situation to deal with that huge extension. They've attached to Miller as one of those extensions, too. And then another guy with one of those extensions that could end up being available, depending upon what direction this team wants to go, is Zach Levine and the Bulls. The Bulls don't have a first-round pick, still from the Vucevich trade. Well, Vuce is a free agent. He wants to come back there. But you do have to ask yourself the question, if you're the Bulls, What's your ceiling with this team without Alonzo Ball? They may, they may have to, you know, two years into a re, a reload, they may have to do another reload here. And if they do that, does it pay to keep Zach Levine and risk and the injury with him? And he's another guy with injuries. So there's going to be star-quality players on the market, but I don't know that we're going to see these huge packages just because of the size of these contracts that teams are trying to move.
1: What do you think about Dame Lillard? You bring up his name. There's been some rumblings about maybe Brooklyn being a destination. He mentioned that himself, for example, how likelihood – do you think that could be with maybe the Nets upgrading the backcourt?
0: I think that it's quite possible. Um, You heard the Heat's name attached to Beal. I think you would hear the Heat's name attached to Lillard as well. The Nets have a lot more to give than the Heat. And I think for the Nets here, they don't want to fade from relevance. Lillard likes Mikhail Bridges. I think he thinks he could play with them. They can have a lot of success. Damian Lillard needs to play on a team with guys that guard. And people like Bridges and Dorian Finney-Smith are good defensive players that will help you hide really. The thing, the dirty little secret of Dillow that no one talks about because he's such an outstanding player mm-hmm. offensively. He's a wonderful guy and a great leader and a clutch player, and he's all those things. Also horrific defensively. Like he's bad defensively, man. He really is. That doesn't help as you get older either. (laughs) It doesn't, and he's 32. But my point is, he's got to go to a place that's got that kind of infrastructure. The problem with a Lillard deal is not the picks. The Nets have all the picks to throw in that they got in the Durant deal. And if you want to do that for Lillard and you have a young core around you, that's fine. My concern for the Nets with this is they're gonna want Cam Johnson. Okay, I'd be willing to part with him. They're gonna want Claxton, and Claxton's a big part of what they do. Now, you want to tell me a five-way Claxton, somewhat replaceable out in free agency? That's possible. I mean, there's a lot of pogo stick. That are similar to McLaughlin, but he gave you such a good year this year. He really did. He was, you know, he was a guy that got a couple most improved player votes, a couple defensive player year votes, or all defense team votes. He played really well for you. And again, if you have to, it's Dame Lillard. I mean, you take a look at it and you do it. The other thing about the Nets that I'm hearing a lot of mm-hmm. is that everybody's rah rah Ben Simmons right now. Ben Simmons is in this crazy, insane shape, is working his tail off in their facility and has shown to be a guy that's working very, very hard to try to get back on the floor, get back to an all-star level. And the Mets are legitimately excited about him, I've heard. So, again, we've heard – it's great to say that in June, in July. Right. We've heard a lot of that stuff about Ben Simmons in the past. we got to see what happens when he actually steps on the floor, if he steps on the floor. But but that's something they're talking up there, too. But And I bring that up only for the reason – that if they really believe in Simmons, Simmons is going to be the guy that he was in Philly. That's have to be more. The guy that he was in Philly would be perfect for the Mets. Being the guy that he was in Philly, it gives you a little more latitude on putting a Claxton in a deal because of what Simmons can bring defensively.
1: I'll tell you, you know, I'll believe, I'll believe it when I see it. Whenever I hear these rumors about Ben yep. Simmons, because right, we heard this last summer too that he'd all, you know, with KD and Kyrie's working his way back, going to be a big year. I'll believe it when I see
2: it. We BG, heard it all, right?
0: Yep. That's what you have to take Harder the it all, approach. Yeah, We've heard, you have to, you have to listen he, because the problem is, is that he's gotten back out on the floor. And I mean, this is a very, very old reference that I'm going to make, but I know you're going to get it. Just Cindy Brady in front of the red light <laughs> and the camera. Like he just <laughs> stares. He's like the deer in a headlights out there. And he's got so much ability and and can be really really good. He just does look really uncomfortable on the basketball court. And, and maybe he recovers from that. Maybe that's something he pushes through. You know, maybe that's something that did involve the fact that he was worried about the back, and the back has been tough for him. Um, he's built up his upper body strength tremendously. You know, we've seen all the pictures online of how good he looks. But that was never a problem for him. He was always a guy that kept himself in shape because he wanted to look good for the girls. Well, you know what? How about taking that time that you're lifting weights and you're trying to look really good for the girls and actually honing your craft and being a better basketball player because that's the type of stuff you need. Donato Give me three-point shots. Who cares about that? Right? Just be a 70% free-throw shooter so you don't have to be scared when you go to the rim that you're going to get fouled. Let's like like be that. And, and if you are that, you're be a really good and be an all-star player again. Man. Not a top player in the league, but you know, a borderline all-star type of player. Then
1: Simmons has that in him. Be available for your team. Nothing more, nothing less. You know, we'll we'll take that yep, for starters. Correct. That, that's all you got to say. Yep, and give everything you have when you're out there. Give everything
0: that you have to give when you're out there. That's the other thing. So you and at times I felt like he held back, not because you know, because he didn't want to try. He held back because I think I I just listen. I, I'm I'm not him. I'm not inside his head. But there was a, there was an anxiety within that he was struggling with that was keeping him from playing with the level of unbridled enthusiasm and energy that he did in Philadelphia.
1: We'll see what happens. BG, great stuff as always. My my friend. Always appreciate the time. Enjoy the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. I'm sure we'll be chatting again real soon.
0: I look forward to it, Dan. Always my pleasure, buddy. You take care.
1: Right, You'll be good. There's Brian Geltziler of NBA Radio. Tremendous stuff, as always, from BG. We come back, give you a little Subway series update. Also, we're going to tell you how many people watch the Stanley Cup Finals. Then we'll talk some Giants with Jordan Renan coming up in about 10-15 minutes. Grasa Show, till the top right here on 98.7 ESPN.
3: Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: This is the
0: Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Taking it until the top of the hour, then it's Gordon and Larry. In Queens right now, 1-1 Yankees-Mets in the bottom of the sixth inning. Could have been worse because in the top half of the sixth, when the Yankees actually tied the game, um, Jake Bauer's an RBI single. Scoring Jose Trevino off of uh, Justin Verlander, Yanks still had some damage on the bases, and then John Carlos Stanton. And that, look, it's easy to kill Stanton and all these other. I, I get it. He hit a frozen rope to third base, and Eduardo Escobar made an incredible stab, got the out at second. McNeil, an unbelievable pivot as he was falling off the bag to hit the relay and turn the double play to get Stanton to end the inning. So Verlander made it through six, but he threw 107 pitches. Only allowed the one run, minimized the damage. So it's like, okay, you know, you'll sign for it. It's not the worst thing in the world. Kept the Mets in the game. And now Cole also trying to get through the sixth inning here, uh, just allowing the one run as well. Mets have a couple of runners on with one out with Jeff McNeil up at the plate. So should be a fun few innings. And look, here's the problem. If you're going to try to forecast and predict how this game is going to go, well, what do we know already? We know that the Yankees have the superior bullpen to the Mets, and this is now going to be a game that is going to be decided by the respective bullpens. You know, Cole had the first two men on in this uh, inning, nobody out, and he's managed to get the next two out. He struck out Starling Marte, McNeil flew to center field, and uh, that's where we go. So let's... uh Get back to that game in just a little bit, but right now, as promised, we want to bring on our next guest. He, of course, does an outstanding job covering the football giants for us here at ESPN and he is our good buddy, Jordan Renan. Hello, Jordan. How are you?
2: Dan, what's going on? Oh, Everything no complaints. Basically we're on we're on summer we're on summer break now. You know? Yes, summer vacation. Today. It's summer vacation. See you in uh, training camp.
1: See you in training camp, but you made time for us. That's why we love you, of course.
2: Um, Absolutely. You. Know, by the way, I, I'm in Florida making time for you. That's uh, Wait, that's
1: wait on. a second. Well, now, wait a second. Now, time out. Okay. First of all, I appreciate mm-hmm. this wholeheartedly. But if I knew you were in Florida, I wouldn't have bothered you to come on the show.
2: I'm good. I mean, no problem. Fifteen minutes of my time. Come on. Now, how yeah, long? How long day. are
1: we? How long are we in Florida for?
2: So I jumped on a plane because my daughter has a soccer tournament, a very competitive soccer tournament in Florida this week until Sunday. Wow!
1: It's like the so World Cup for like, or something. Yeah,
2: five, five days. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a very select like tournament where you have to be like a top team in your state to even get an invite. So yeah. It might, it might it might be a rough. It might be a rough few days for the girls, but I mean, we're gonna have, we're gonna have a good time on stuff. I that.
1: I played soccer through high school, and like the furthest game I ever had growing up as a kid was maybe like two counties over, not Florida.
2: <laughs> yeah, I know Me too. I remember going to Columbia, Maryland from uh, New Jersey. that was the that was as far as I made it. Now we've already been to Virginia twice and now Florida.
1: Look at you. She you know, she better be playing in that yeah. World Cup one day after all this traveling <laughs> and everything you're doing for uh, her soccer career. So we look forward to Not seeing no, how we're that make, grows.
2: we're making life memories. We're that's, making life yeah. memories. Yeah, that's,
1: that's, that's... Life memories for sure. Um what kind of memories <laughs> what kind of memories are the Giants and Saquon Barkley gonna make moving forward? Or are they gonna be making memories yeah. moving forward?
2: Yeah, it's gonna be interesting because I don't think the Giants are I, I don't look at it like they're Like they feel like they have to get a deal done with Saquon Barkley, right? They know they have him on a $10.1 million franchise center, and they've made it perfectly clear that they're all right with that if they have to. Now, Saquon Barkley obviously wants that long term deal, but I don't know. Uh, I think there's a decent shot that we go into the season, and he's playing on a one year deal. He's not especially happy, but uh, he's a running back in a tough position, and, uh, you know, he could have the $10 million this year plays well, gets another 12.2 next year. And, uh, you know, he makes $22 million over the next two two years. And the Giants are willing to offer more than that. Matt. Remember when Barkley the other day, if you listen closely to what he said at his camp, he said mm-hmm. a lot of, like, you you read between the lines, read between the lines, read between the lines. He's talking about guaranteed money. So, like, the, the starting point when you're on the franchise tag is basically two tags, right? Yep. Two years worth of tags. So tw- $22.2 million, right? So if they're not offering more than that guaranteed, no player, no agent is really going to even consider that. So like that's kind of where, the, the you know, that's the mark. Like if it's not even starting there, then it's almost not worth it for him to take. It's not worth it for anybody to go forward with. So I think, I think that's kind of where we're at right now.
1: When you look at the Giants, though, from their side of things, okay, and they're trying to map this thing out big picture, they understand how productive a player he could be. But I'm sure, even though this regime wasn't there, they still have in the back of their mind the previous two seasons to where he was injured and he didn't produce at the level he did last season. Is that something you think that is the overriding obstacle to them maybe opening up the wallet a little bit more and giving Saquon what he would term to be a fair deal?
2: I just think it's more the position he plays, right? I mean, it's just nobody wants to pay running backs in this league. I mean, that's just the reality of what it is right now. And if Joe Shane, if you said, "Hey, let me see your your blueprint, your plan, your notebook," like before you took over a team, I'm pretty sure it's not going to include uh, having a, a really high-paid running back and investing really heavily at that position. Like that's not how. Like if you talk about roster construction, anybody really wants to ideally do it now. Came here and he's their best offensive player, so it's a tricky situation. Now the the question is, he has to. Joe Shane has to decide how important is it to make sure Saquon Barkley is happy, or does he play hardball with him because financially, look, he has him on ten point one million like, dollars. That, that, that's, that's favorable to the Giants. He likes it. That's a good deal. Just stick with that. Right. So I think that that's that's kind of what he has to balance there. Which is the better. uh, solution for the Giants.
1: If you're the Giants, let, let, let's just say this thing drags on to July 17th and we still don't have a deal. Is Saquon going to sign the franchise tag or would he actually entertain the idea of sitting out a la Le'Veon Bell?
2: Well, how about this uh, the in-between? If like, is, is he really going to sit out, I have a hard time believing that. I do Wait, too. Go. I don't know that. I don't know that, but you're talking about a guy who has a very uh, hes very he has a concerted effort to make sure he has the right uh, image, right? His image is very important to him. He's uh, been very adamant about being a team first guy all throughout his time. I think that's important to him as well. So if he does sit out, that would be contrary to everything he's built so far, right? Mm-hmm. And plus, plus, you don't just turn down $10.1 million. Saw what happened a bit. That didn't really work out for his career. So, Saquon's not going to want to do that. Now, does he want to, like, let's say they don't reach a deal by July 17th? I do think the solution is he'll give them hell still and not show up until, all, you know, late August, early September. Because if you're him, do you really want to go and risk injury at training camp when you're a running back? He knows the offense. Like, no this, way. No, he'll show up two or two or three weeks before camp, right? And say, all right, fine, I'll come play that. But, like, he's not going to show up for the beginning of camp.
1: Talking with Jordan Renan here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, let's get to some other action here from the mini camp, even though it is what it is. But for starters, um, saw Sterling Shepard out there running routes, doing some things on the field. How is he in his recovery? Is he expected to be full systems go come training camp?
2: Uh, he says that he's, you know, right on track right now, maybe a little ahead. Uh, the question is whether he's going to be ready for the start of training camp. I'm not sure about that. He said his goal is to be ready for the start of the season. So I think that is more likely uh, a solution here. And, like, you know, the likely scenario that plays out with Sterling Shepard, him being ready for the, the regular season. And they bring him, home, bring him along slowly this summer. Same with Wanda Robinson, by the way. He's actually a little behind uh, Shepard in regards to when he mm-hmm. was injured and when he had a surgery. So... He's a little behind that.
1: They have some good depth at wide receiver, but I still think, and I think you and I talked about this after the move was made. I'm just, if he's healthy, I think Darren Waller's going to be Daniel Jones' favorite target this year. I, I just see it working out that way.
2: I'm sorry about that. Can you repeat that? Yeah, Dan? no,
1: I, 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 th- I said you and I. I think like after the move was made, we had a conversation about it, and I, I still believe wholeheartedly, Darren Waller is going to end up being Daniel Jones's favorite target yeah.
2: this season. No, yeah, 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 exactly. No, I agree with that uh, wholeheartedly, 100. He's going to be, he's going to be the number one receiver. You, you look at him at, you know, when they're out on the field, and he stands out, right side. Now the problem, the only question is, when, how long is he healthy? Right? Can they keep him healthy? Can he stay healthy? And how long? is is that going to be? But as long as he's out there, he's the number one receiver. In how my do, how I, do they, I don't see that working on any. What's the other option? Right.
1: You're just going to have to distribute the ball to a bunch of the same guys and essentially throw in, you know, Paris Campbell or whatever that you had last year, and, and you know the rookie Jalen Hyatt. But you know the Giants don't have that guy that at wide you? receiver.
2: Does that really interest you? Not really. No. You know to spread it out. Like does that does that does that make you excited? Not at all. Yeah. Not at no. all. I think that their their intention is to use him. You've seen him even during the spring, all over the field in a lot of different spots. You know, I've seen two, three tight ends stuff. So, so they have big plans for him.
1: Um, How is the secondary looking right now? Like, in terms of how do they ultimately see this thing lining up? We know that they're very high on Deontay Banks, and I thought that was a great fit that he fell all the way down to them there in the first round. You know that a Dory is there. But at the safety position, for example, like, Jason Pinnock is a guy that interests me, only because I knew him a little bit when he was a Jet mm-hmm. before he ended up over there. What are their plans for him for this upcoming season?
2: Yeah, I think he's probably the favorite. He's been a little banged up this spring, but he's probably the favorite to start. I think if I had a guess, I mean, they're trying Nick McLeod at safety, uh, who's like, who was a physical corner last year. They have, they signed uh, Bobby McCain from Washington. So they really have a lot of uncertainty. And it's really, when you say what's the state of the secondary, they're young. Yeah, There's a lot of guys that are going to get opportunities to play. You're talking about uh, Cordell Flott, is he going to start in a slot? Possibly. Deontay Banks, is he going to start outside? Likely. Uh, you might have, you know, Dane Belton or – Jason Pinnock or, uh, you know, Nick McLeod starting at safety. So, young, for sure. All right, last thing here. Which will create some up and down, by the way. Right, for sure. Not going to be so smooth.
1: Now, O'Kerrike they also gave a lot of money to. They expect him to be a major playmaker for this team. As far as Wink, I don't know if Wink Martindale talked about O'Kerrike, but what are the plans you think they have for him in terms of being a guy that I guess would be all over the field making plays sideline to sideline for them?
2: Yeah, I mean, he's going to be a three-down guy, which is what they didn't have last year, right? They slapped it together. I mean, Jalen Smith started for the Giants.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Think about that for a second. Yep. Jalen Smith, he's not in the league right now. He's not on a team. Jared Davis. He's not on a roster. <clears throat> but Jared Davis is on their roster. Right. I mean, but he was the guy that got off the squad heap. running, with, he's yeah. running the first team. Yes, yes. He was taken off the Lions practice squad and started in the playoff game. So Incredible. just to have a guy that they know is going to be 100 150 tackle guy that can play three downs think about he could be an average player and it's a massive upgrade on that defense because of what they were playing with last year so when I look out on the field in the spring I'm like man this guy is just going to be good for them because he's the bar was so low at the position before plus he's a good player he's actually played really well for the Colts the last few years so as long as he does that I think that you know week Martindale is going to make him the centerpiece of that defense so sort of the leader and I wouldn't be surprised if he actually even calls the place. to be honest with you, know, to have the green dot on his helmet.
1: Giving him a nice paycheck for it. Last thing here, the quarterback, he got a nice paycheck in the offseason. I know it's only OTAs or mini camp, and it's the offseason, but did you notice anything different in terms of whether it's demeanor, confidence, just the way he carried himself now that, you know, he knows it's his team. He's not going anywhere. They made the big commitment to him. What have you seen different? Did you notice anything different about Daniel Jones?
2: Nah, he's as boring as ever. You know, you know, nothing <laughs> change, nothing changes. I thought that's he's what the, you won't might answer say. Any question. You know what? Sterling Shepherd said it, uh, you know, and he's like, uh he said that, that you know, some guys get that, you know, like you like you won the lottery, all of a sudden you get this, you know, rich man swag, right? You you win the lottery, you change, you're different but not Daniel Jones. Like Dexter Lawrence was like that, you know, he, he got that. But uh when you're talking about take Daniel Jones you know, he's just the same guy. He shows up early in the morning. Nothing changes. Uh, and like you know, he, he's he's just so steady. He's, the I, the comparison to Eli really is relevant. Uh, you know, you don't want to always make that comparison. It's too easy sometimes. But demeanor wise and the way he handles himself, there really is a ton of similarities. You know, and Eli, what he played was uh, you know, dull as pain. Also, but now you see afterwards, there is personality behind it. But uh i think daniel jones follows a very similar suit to that
1: can't wait for another 10 years for those daniel jones monday night football broadcasts from his basement him and his best friend or something like that
2: weighing in on uh <laughs> <laughs> you know let me tell you so when you when you talk to daniel jones you're like what's the how was it the signing you know, 40 million dollars a year he's like it was good yeah it was good it's all right. and You're like, oh really it was good yeah okay way to be energetic what was your big
1: purchase? I went to Jersey Mike's, got a sandwich. That's about it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> got, got the full size, got the foot long. You know what I mean? Went crazy. Splurge. I
2: heard Daniel Jones is now a, me- a member at Liberty National. Oh. Oh. So he's stepping it up.
1: Yeah, you know what those dues stepping are? You know what those dues are? They 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 cost a couple of bucks. That's why.
2: He could yeah, afford it. he that. makes $40 million a year. He I makes know. $40 million a year. You think that matters?
1: No drop in the bucket my friend drop in the bucket you could do
2: you could do a lot of things if you made 40 million i know that's what they're, they're paying you close but if you actually got up to 40
1: close i gave some back right. for the salary cap i gave some back so we could build a winning team that's why <laughs>
2: 987 salary cap.
1: That's it. The 987 salary cap. Thank you, as always, my friend. Like I said, you took time out of your Florida vacation here. I expect daily updates on the uh, the scores from the, uh, your daughter's soccer team, and we need these results.
2: I'm in a car with a bunch of the parents right now, and they're being especially quiet because they hear me on the phone right now. Well, I didn't know that we and and one kid, and one kid. We,
1: we we applaud them for their demeanor and their behavior. So give them a shout out as well. <laughs>
2: Thanks, buddy. Uh, the Blackburns. The Black, the Blackburns. That's who it is. They're
1: the Blackburns. Shout out to the Blackburns. Great job by you guys.
2: <laughs> Goodbye.
1: All right, Jordan. Be good, buddy. There's Jordan Renan talking a little giant football on a, a girl's soccer trip down in Florida. Hey, when we come back, give you a little update because there is an update going on at City Field. And we'll also tell you how the ratings were for the Stanley Cup Finals. Dan Gross' show till 10 right here on 9870 ESPN. We're making life memories.
0: This is the Dan Grosser Show on 98.7 ESPN. Once
1: well, by the time there was number 42, now there's number 12. Interesting few minutes out at City Field, and the Mets, let's see, the Mets have turned into the Bad News Bears at the worst time, and the Yankees have taken full advantage of it. So the Yanks now have a 3-1 to one lead over the Mets in the top of the seventh inning. Now here's the difference between the last two half innings. In the bottom of the sixth, Mets had two men on, nobody out, didn't score right? As they tend to generally not do. Yankees got the first two men on in the seventh inning as Jeremy Brigham came on to relieve Justin Verlander, who couldn't continue because he ran his pitch count up to 107. That's what happens when he can't put hitters away. And of course, Jimmy Br- uh, Jeremy Brigham makes a mess of the game. Then, on a double play opportunity, they get the out at second base, Lindorna McNeil. McNeil, who made a great Throw and a great play to turn the double play in the previous inning. There makes a throw that was slightly wide of the first base bag, and the first baseman Mark Vientos, who's not a natural first baseman by the way, can't come up with the throw. Goes into foul territory. Go ahead, run scores. Josh Donaldson for the Yankees to go up two to one. Now, watching the replay, was it a perfect throw? No. Should a major league first baseman have come up with the throw? Yes, a thousand percent. And what makes it worse is. The base runner on the play beat the throw by the time the ball arrived. So at that point as the first baseman, your instincts have to tell you, well, it's not going to be a double play anyway. If I need to come off the bag to ensure that the throw doesn't get by me, that is my primary objective. Vientos didn't do that. Ball got past him. Yanks get the go-ahead run that scores 2-1. to Now, moments ago, they had IKF, who was at – it was IKF. He was at first base. He tried to steal second. Alvarez's throw goes into center field, wide of second. So, IKF gets up, scampers to third base. So, now, 2-1 Yanks, IKF at third base. What happens next? IKF is dancing down the third baseline, continues to proceed home. The pitch home was way high of the catcher. IKF slides in, stealing home to give the Yankees an insurance run. It's 3-1 in the seventh inning. Wow. Think about that for a second. The Yankees are so confident right now, knowing full well that the Mets probably aren't going to attach their bullpen, that we're going to steal home. Why not? Catch him asleep. Catch him napping. And Brooks Raley certainly didn't see it because his throw home wasn't even, even if the throw home was in time, it wouldn't even have gotten IKF. Because the throw was high, it was wide, it was over Alfred, because Alford isn't a big guy anyways. Way over his head. Wow. So now the Yankee bullpen, which is as good as any in baseball, and the Mets couldn't touch last night, they're going to see if they, they've got nine cracks at getting two runs. Nine outs to get two runs here to extend this game. And that is, of course, assuming that the Yankees don't tack on. Wow. Thought you seen it all until you saw that. 800-919-3776. So that being said, thank you to Jordan Renan for coming on, talking a little giant football with us. We appreciate that. Now, talking about the Stanley Cup Finals, congratulations to the Vegas Golden Knights, by the way. Their sixth season of eligibility, or uh, sixth season of existence, I should say, and they win the Stanley Cup. So congrats to them. Well-deserved. Um Look, a lot of reasons why Florida didn't win. I mean, not to mention the fact, you know, their guys were playing so banged up. You know, broken sternum, for crying out loud, for Matthew Kachuk, who ended up didn't play in last night, but he gutted out as much as he could. Florida's, you know, the power play did absolutely nothing for them in this series. Vegas was very good on the special teams. He had all that up. You get a five-game series here. Vegas are the champs. And apparently their parade is going to be Saturday night down the Vegas Strip. Hide the women and children. Oh my gosh. That is going to be crazy. So, anyway, and IKF, by the way, the first Yankee to steal home since Didi Gregorius in 2016. Ratings were down for this Stanley Cup final. And I remember this was the final that was on cable, it was on TNT, it wasn't over broadcast television there, one of the networks. It was down 43% from last year. That's a lot. You know, that's not just like a little bit. That's a lot. Now, look, going in, you knew it wasn't probably going to be a great rating because it was two teams that weren't exactly national brands. I think we know that. You know, the Florida Panthers were kind of like the little engine that could. An eight seed, but I don't think they were a national draw. And the Vegas Golden Knights, despite the fact that they're still a relatively young team, you know, I, I, I don't know if also they have that national appeal. And then you factor in the series on TNT. That's why you get the ratings uh, where they were. But nevertheless, if you're a hockey fan, it was an entertaining series. It was an exciting series. And the Vegas Golden Knights were a worthy champs. So now we get this offseason started in a couple of weeks. Everybody is 0 and 0. And remember, Peter LaViolette's going to be introduced. If you let the, him go to
2: Vegas. We're definitely
1: not going to see it. That's it. You're not going to see it. Peter LaViolette's going to be introduced as the Ranger head coach coming up on Tuesday morning. Uh, so that is our next hockey related item. So, yeah, 3 1 Yanks. In the bottom of the seventh, Mets got some work to do here off of that Yankee bullpen to see if they can climb back into it. And we'll be here to talk about it tomorrow night. You know, think about how much fun we've had the last couple of nights reacting to these games. They're like the gift that keeps on giving. And who knows what the big takeaway from this one's going to be. Can't imagine that that's all positive if you're a Mets fan. Yankee fan, you know, like I said, you're winning games. You're finding ways. Despite the fact Judge isn't there. Right? You're still finding ways to win baseball games. And the Mets are finding ways to lose baseball games. And if this doesn't change right now, how about 10 out of the last 11 in the L column for the Mets? Wise man once said, might be getting late a little early for this team. But that's going to do it for us. Uh, Thanks to everybody. And I mean everybody that called, that tweeted, checked in on the show, that listened, more importantly... So we appreciate all you guys wholeheartedly. Thanks to our guests, Jordan Renan from the car in Florida. Thanks to Brian Geltziler as well. Thanks to Joe. Thanks to Harvey for producing the program tonight as always. We'll be back with you tomorrow at 7 p.m right after TMKS full 3 hour vehicle tomorrow remember there's no game fi- game 6 of the NBA finals that's when it was supposed to be so we got ourselves a full show Gordon and Larry are up next so keep it tuned for my buddies in just a couple of minutes Grass is saying good night 9870 ESPN
2: nah he's as boring as ever